Welcome back, everybody. You are listening to Joygasm, a video game and movie podcast. I'm Russ, Xbox Live Toaster 360. He is Steve, Xbox Live Stevevich. And we endorse this podcast. In episode 187 today, August 20th, 2020, we have two main topics that we are going to be discussing after our Howdy Doody time. One is the fact that there is DC Layoffs and DC Fandom, which is their online event that's going to be transpiring in the coming days. And the second, which I'm going to consider to be a quasi-topic of the day, is Halo Infinite, delayed until 2021. And finite. Exactly. Which you can fast forward to if you look at the timestamps located in the detailed section below. Steve, it is once again that time of the week. And no, I don't mean a period. I mean, we are together again, <laughs> mano y mano, bro Man. y bro. Time to leave the family loved ones behind and come on up and act like a fool. 2L Studio. Exactly. <laughs> <laughs> we still need snacks up here. We still need some drinks. Still need. I a, got my drink. Well, I'm, I'm talking like a little, little fridge. Oh. A little, well, a little freezer. Yeah. So you, so you don't have to go downstairs to get something. You're like, oh, you know what? I'm going to pop open here. I crack up. It's in the long-term plan. <laughs> that was pretty good. <laughs> hey, people are not going to be able to hear that. They're going to in the car. <laughs> it's, the, it's the effort that counts, Steve. It's yeah. That counts. But yeah, I, I know what you mean. And don't worry. At some point, maybe not today, maybe not tomorrow. But maybe the day after that, you never know. But I, I do plan to have some semblance of a mini fridge or something up here for sure. You know, at least a trash can would be good. You know, a little a little waste I, bucket. Yeah, that's another, you know, that that is probably more than near term. I would say definitely not today, but <laughs> maybe tomorrow. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> that I can uh, acquiesce. So how was your week? You know, Russ, I uh, actually began... Watching the last season of 24. The last I season. Said I was gonna and I did a that's that I hear is a, a relaxing show. I hear um, it's great when you have high blood pressure. Right. To lower Actually, it. So that brings me to tell you something. Oh. So I you find yourself in a Zen state while watching Jack Bauer. Pretty much. Yes, actually, I do. So I took my blood pressure before I watched the show. <laughs> and I took my blood pressure after I watched this show. Two, oh. two episodes. Mm-hmm. My blood pressure was lower after watching 24. Yo, well, perhaps it's due to the fact that Mr. Bauer is able to be a loose cannon and, and yeah. express himself in a myriad of different ways. And perhaps you are vicariously living through that. Possibly. Able to expel some of the pent upness that is inside yourself. Or it's just the fact that I know everything's going to be okay. You know, Jack Bauer's got her back. At least in the next 24 hours. <laughs> yeah. Can you imagine oh, if like you man. lived a life like that, that was filled with that much intensity and conflict and right. who knows what in every 24 hour period. It's not for me, Steve. I would uh, be looking for workman's comp on life. Yeah, really? You know, he went back to um, CTU. 
<laughs> of course. And he was there on his first day and getting to know everybody you know, indirectly, whatever. And the does, counterterrorism unit. Right. And does not want to be there. He wants <laughs> so desperately to be retired and not a part of this whole scene anymore. Chloe O'Brien's there, and every you know, everyone's like, "Oh, the legendary Jack Bauer! Oh, wow, oh, he's here! I'm here for the paycheck!" Right, and then so he said, "Problems start to happen," and he just goes, "I hate this place! I hate this place!" I'm like, "Yep, you probably do. By now, <laughs> I would be saying the same thing." It's funny he had to, he said that like on the very first episode. A lot but, of history with that place. Yeah. I actually have a friend who met Mr. Kiefer Sutherland. Really? And apparently he is just as cool in person as he is in his alter egos. I don't scream. I don't doubt it. Wasn't he at the last, uh, not Dallas Expo, I think the one before that. I think he may have. He may have. I don't recall 100%, but I do know that he was at SDCC a couple of years ago. I wasn't there for that, Russ. No, you were not. So what have you been playing, Steve? What have you been, well, what else have you been watching aside from the last man. season of 24? Actually, you know what? The only other thing I have been playing is, is Ghost of Tsushima. Uh-huh. Tsushima. And where are you? Well, it, actually, let's be careful not to give any spoilers I, Are you still in Act 1, Steve? I am still Act 1, Russ. Ah. I'm finding all the secrets before I move my way north. Good man. Good man. And I noticed you changed your clothes. I kind of went through a bit of a wardrobe styling yeah. thingy. Um, uh huh. The outfit that you saw me in. I know. Um, I actually I wanted to kind of dress it up just a tad because I was watching. Yes. The uh, the the hat uh, was a little too ripped and shredded. Doesn't necessarily keep the sun out of your eyes. It's a little. Yeah, I was gonna say it's a little anti-utility. Yeah. And so I, I was like, you know, I, I need to get that. I I am a little bummed that as you upgrade the the outfit really the hat is the only thing that goes through a major change i was watching the 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 fabric i'm like if there are any kind of changes it must be really subtle because i'm just not seeing it yeah but it's a it's a cool outfit it is a cool outfit i think what you have to do um is you see if you were watching my twitch feed russ Uh you would have known that I didn't. I've yet to upgrade that one as far as you have. I, I believe, uh-huh. but I have upgraded it, and I saw the traveler, the merchant dude. Yes, and I used my flowers to good to, to seduce uh, him. Yeah, yeah. Hey, I have a bunch um, of posies I, for you. He used my flowers to make a little dye, uh-huh. and now either I look. I, I look a lot. I look a lot better. I look so a lot better. You're, you're talking about the the guy who's kind of by himself up on that mountain, and he has like all those like pieces of fabric that are like drying in the wind. Are you talking about him, or are you talking about no? The, there's a dude that walks around. He's like in the survivor camps. He's got like his big gotcha. old backpack and stuff. On have, him. have you been introduced to the person I'm describing to you? I may have. I found him on happenstance, Steve. Hmm. I was just kind of doing some random exploring and I was thinking, ah, I wonder if there's anything up on this mountain. And I found my way up there and there is a dude by himself. And apparently he's like the master dyer and, uh, hmm. you can bring him any particle of clothing and he has all the different colors and whatnot. I have not actually, uh, enlisted his services yet. Hmm. 
but I'm pretty excited to give it a shot at some point. I saw you got the longbow. I did. I also got the longbow. Good for you. Not sure if I'm going to be using it a whole heck of a lot. I will say that the abilities of the longbow come in handy. They are noticeably different from the half bow, Steve. I know. I've used it a little bit. Mm. I have not used it that much, mm. but I have used it a little bit. But then I found I, I was switching back to the half bow because I just wanted to quickly headshot some folks and didn't necessarily want to use my heavy arrows to do that with. So I went back to the half bow, at least for now. But I did dress up mine a little bit. I had a couple of flowers left, made a nice little purple sash. Or oh, really? Something on it, yeah. On the bow. On the bow. Well, that's nice, Steve. That's really nice. You know one of the things about that game that I wish... Yes, I do. It, it's, it's, it's a little bit, it's a little dinky, I don't know, like gripe I have. But what is it? So when I'm traversing the... Various places of the island. All the shiny grass and mist and sun shining through. Yeah. The, ah, yeah. I, I have found quite a bit of supplies. Yes. So I'm a little confused, though, because when I go to any of the smiths, whether it's the one who works on the sword or the bow mm. or the armor, whatever mm. it is, I'm surprised at the amount. For one thing, we don't know what the supplies consist of. It just says supplies. Right. So here I have like, like I don't know, like 2,000 supplies. And it, it just gets used up so fast. I'm thinking to myself, oh, I could, I could totally go through and update a bunch of stuff and get a bunch of upgrades. And like, I'm lucky if I can do it like twice. And then it's like, oh, no, you need some more. And it's like, what consists of these supplies? So my thing is, is I wish that they would be a little more descriptive with that, or maybe not just give out. Like to me, it's weird to think about how in order to have my katana get sharper, I need, you know, say 750 supplies. <laughs> I mean, how on earth do I even like realistically carry that around on my person? You know, can, I would be beset by like all this weight and, who knows what? I mean, you'd be dragging behind me. I couldn't run or fight or do anything. I mean, even even on my horse, you know, and in the supply itself, like I mean, those things they they I mean they're they're a pretty good size when you pick kind them up. Of a fanny pack. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you could duel somebody. You have like five hundred fanny packs on you. Okay, hold on a second. I'll do. I'll do you. Yeah. I just gotta find my sword. One of these fanny packs. Just give me a second here. You're not going to be able to poke me at all. I got too many fanny packs. By the way, the guy who you fight when you get the longbow. Yes. I thought I was going to be able to take his mask. Oh, he did have a memorable mask. He did, but I don't have it. And I don't know if you have it. No, I don't think it was ours to take. Russ, have you ever watched my Twitch feed? I have. Uh, but I mean, like, Sometime in the last three weeks. Yeah. Oh, really? I have. Ah, okay. All right. Yeah, well, I believe you. <laughs> I'm, uh, I believe you. <laughs> You're, uh, you, 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 you get, there are points where you get a little grumpy. I do. Uh, I wouldn't say frustrated necessarily, but, but I would say minorly annoyed. Yeah. I think I have to, well, yeah, no, you're right. Um, I think it would be better. <laughs> If you see, sometimes my wife goes to bed and I try not to t 
talk too loud because I... Which is odd because you don't have the TV in the bedroom. I don't. It's outside the bedroom. But I mean, I'd, I'd hate to talk so loud and go like, oh, fribber, fribber. And I you know, have my <laughs> wife wake up and be like, is everything okay? Oh, yeah. I just play the game. Oh, I mean, uh, hey, guys, on Twitch, uh, uh, that's just my wife. <laughs> Back to the game. So I try to keep it a little bit low. Is she a light sleeper? Because she strikes me as like being able to sleep through quite a bit. I think she is a little bit of a light sleeper, yes. From my limited time of sleeping with her. Mm-hmm. <laughs> well, in my Let, experience, yeah. wait, what? Let's talk about it. No. <laughs> uh, so anyhow, that's been about it. I, I haven't played too much else beyond that. Um, I've been trying to make another deck, a decent deck to uh, avenge myself from getting slaughtered by my uh, buddy. Mm-hmm. Um, but I don't want, he, and he's been asking to play again. I'm like, no, dude, I haven't, like, I know your deck is better than my deck. Like, why am I going to go play you? You're just going to, like, slaughter me again. I, I don't. I, oh, my, you're, you're, tuck, you're tucking tail and running away from your my, bro. My limit of being slaughtered has been met. I don't want to get <laughs> slaughtered more. I want to figure out what's going wrong, fix it, and then come back. And this is someone who you work with? Yes. <laughs> So does he like come over? He's like, hey, how was that game last night? Like, is he starting? Oh, to, he starting hasn't to gloat? let it go. It's been like <laughs> a week, and he's like, hey, how's it going? How did you uh, you walking a little funny today, huh? <laughs> I'm like, does he listen to the show? Well, he says he does. Uh, he says he does. I don't mm-hmm. know if he's a weekly listener, that bastard. Yeah, we'll see how it goes. Well, you have to ask him if he yeah. listens to this one. <laughs> Anyhow, how's your week been going, Ross? I hear you've been uh, quite the uh, busy bumblebee. Yes, there's been quite a bit going on. I have been, of course, been playing, you know, speak of Legends of Runeterra. Huh. I have been playing that no. nonstop. You don't say. I've been also keeping tabs on their uh, their Twitter just because uh, they have been, as I suspected, doling out like more and more teasers of the new champions that are coming out. Mm. It looks like... Oh, speaking of which, sorry to cut you off. That's okay. finally got Draven. You know what? I don't know if I... I think I might have unlocked Draven recently myself. I finally got him. I don't... I I have never played him. Nah, yeah, no. That's really funny that you say that because I think I just unlocked him as well. I don't know if I have just one copy of him or two. I don't think I've ever seen him be up, like leveled up either, to be quite honest. It's pretty rare. Like, well, and I think in my case, it's because I'm so adamant about just taking him out ASAP. Like, I don't want, he has leveled up and he gets hard for sure. But for some reason, like, yeah, I don't see him getting leveled up nearly as quickly or as often as some of the other champions, but... When it comes to the the new champions, I was going to say, I think certain ones are joining pre-existing regions, which is fine. It's like, okay, cool. There's more from that region. But then as we've talked about in the previous episode, they have this new region that's coming out in just a few days. And so I'm looking forward to having that come out. I think that it's going to be a lot of fun to see what all these characters do because it's not just the champion cards, but all these other cards that rep- represent this new region and it'll be fun to play against. It'll be fun to play with. And so that's always a, a great thing. One of the, the other aspects to the game that I didn't realize until I think it was today is that um, event is now over. Right. So 
it was funny because I never, I, I didn't actually put any money into it. You know, you have to pay to, in order to like kind of un, like, I, I guess just to participate. Hmm. Um, and there were certain things that I thought were fun, but ultimately nothing that was like, oh, can't live without that. I got to get that. So I ended up not spending any money. And so um, all the progress I made just kind of petered out. I think I did score some freebies out of it, which is, you know, it's like, okay, cool. I got some stuff out of that because I earned it, but definitely looking forward to that next part. Um, so one of the things that you and I talked about was with regards to ghost of Tsushima, they came out with this trailer that is talking about how you can have this like online co-op multiplayer mode. And I'm not exactly sure what the game types are for it, but I'm really excited for that because that means that you and I can play side by side. I think that's pretty sweet. You know, they're going to have some sort of raid. Well, I, I, I have no idea. I don't know if it's like survival mode or I doubt that they're going to have. Well, I was going to say, I doubt that they would have some sort of huge story narrative that you play through, but who maybe, maybe they do. I don't know. And I don't know if, if they're going to charge for it or if it's going to be a free update slash upgrade uh, to the pre-existing game. They weren't really giving out the details on it. But I was really surprised at how fast of a turnaround that was because the game just came out. And now they're already like pushing this thing out. And um, what I think is really fun, too, is that it, it, it actually has or at least it, it seems to present itself as more of a supernatural world than what the, the current game has. Like, like when you play Ghost of Tsushima, it is very decidedly kind of ingrained in ancient feudal Japan. It's not like Sekiro shadows die twice where they made that conscious decision to have the combination of like ancient feudal Japan with, you know, real living supernatural types of creatures and, uh, ghouls and that sort of thing, which I, I mean, we talked about before we both really think is, is cool. So I'm, I'm very much looking forward to when this comes out because I think you and I should definitely play it. I'm, trying to figure out like who else we can invite to take control of the remaining two characters. I'm sure we can find a couple people. I'm sure, uh, Sean might, uh, well, he join up with us. I think, well, yeah, that's actually a possibility. That's a good idea. Here we are. Good old friend, Brad. If he ever is on I'm not going to put my cards on Brad until he <laughs> joins up with us. It's been a few years for us. We've been talking about it. Yeah, join squad. It's been a moment, hasn't it? Yeah, it's been a moment. One of the other things that I wanted to mention about Ghost of Tsushima was I was playing it last night uh, during the stream on YouTube, and there was a particular battle where I was taking on, I think, like at least 10 guys at the same time. And, uh, and that was, I wasn't sure if I was going to make it out alive. There were several moments where I was thinking, okay, goodbye, cruel world. <laughs> but I was victorious. I was uh, pretty impressed by that. I was like, okay. All right. And I, as a result, actually unlocked the fourth yes. samurai fighting style. I unlocked it as well. Thank you very much. It's like we're simpatico. Man. Love it. And I like that stance. <laughs> it's the moon stance or the moon walk. Uh, 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 I see what you did there. Yeah. Uh, so one of the things that you have seen already, but that our listeners have not seen is that we got part of the skyline diffuser mounted on the wall. So if we look to my right, which is your left 
And you can see that we have seven of the 22 rows actually mounted up on the wall. Um, what do you think? It looks uh, woody. It, it does indeed. <laughs> and what is this supposed to do? It's supposed to like kind of buffer the sound a little bit or just look pretty? Well, it both actually. Uh-huh. So the Skyline, so just as a reminder, the Skyline Diffuser that we have built, more like I have built. <laughs> I've looked at it a bunch. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and so it's about seven feet wide and it's going to be about six feet tall. Mm. And so the, the purpose of it is behind any given Skyline Diffuser is that, yes, it's what it does is it helps to disperse or diffuse. Yes. Sound waves. Ah. So if you are watching a loud movie or you're playing a loud video game or you're doing a podcast recording, basically anything that that emits sound as much as we want. Well, and that's one of the challenges in our studio space is that all the walls are just flat. They they are all these Mm. flat surfaces. And so what happens is that all the sound waves bounce off. Right. Multiple walls. And of course, that's what creates the, the echo reverb, that sort of thing. Right. So when the sound waves goes in there, it gets trapped among all the different depths of the wooden blocks. Right. So you're telling me if I walk over there and stand like an inch away from it and yell at the top of my lungs, no one in the rest of the house is going to hear me. Well, no, I'm not saying that at all. Uh, I'm gonna try it. It's, <laughs> it abs- it helps to absorb the sound itself, but that's not like the the one stop mm. shop in terms of making the entire room just all of a sudden work. Like there right. still needs to be prime acoustic paneling mounted. And sure, some other things. It is just it's step one, Steve, right. of a multi step process to have quality acoustics in the studio. But yeah, um, to your other point. It is also, um, in terms of a visual aesthetic, it makes for a great accent piece. Like when this thing oh, is fully sure. put up there, it's yeah. going to look great. It's pine wood. So yeah. if you notice, it has lots of cool textures from uh, the, the trees that it came from. And uh, the nice thing about it too is that when we get our, our lighting set up, we can uh, put colored lighting on it. And uh, it's gonna, I think it's going to look really nice. So it's going to serve as part of our backdrop for when we go to video, which is cool if you ask me um a couple other things i want to share with you steve yes russ first of all bottleneck gallery has put up a batman dark knight poster this is from the movie do you recall the teaser poster before that movie came into theater steve uh no so I'm not even sure if you've seen it or not, but it was the one where it shows Heath Ledger and he's kind of doing this and you can't see his face, but he's drawing the red smiley face and it says, why so serious? Yeah, I remember that. And like his face is like totally blurred out. You can't really, see, you can kind of see it, but you can't really see it. And it says Batman, the dark Knight." Like, like, I think, I think you, maybe you did see it. I think I did see it. I um, think I'll look for me if I see it again. Well, it, it was, why really? so serious? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> it was uh, very popular when it came out. Great idea for a teaser poster. Mm. And this particular company, which is based in New York, actually had the idea. They, they started this new type of series of, of prints. And this one is what you call a lenticular print, Steve. <sighs> Have you ever heard of a lenticular print? Uh, sounds something along the lines of like lenses and lights and stuff. <laughs> 
So remember back when you were kind of like like around the time you were a kid yeah. slash teenager, right? When you would go to the theater, uh-huh. sometimes when you'd walk by um, various movie posters in the display cases. Some of them would look kind of 3D. Right. Yeah. Right? Kind like, of like change kind of the perspective you're looking at. Like, yeah. Uh, 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 uh. Exactly. Yeah. It, w- it would kind of like change its perspective based on where you were looking, that sort yeah. of thing. Right. Well, anyway, they got the idea to actually start incorporating this in some of their prints. Right. Oh, is that the one where you look at it one way, it's a joker, and then you look at it the other way, it's the Batman, but he still has like the smile or something on him? Or so um, that's not what, what what this one is in particular, but uh, you have the idea where like there are different approaches to it. This one doesn't have anything that changes based on if you're looking at it more to the left or to the right. This one actually like based on Heath Ledger's pose, he kind of rotates with you as you uh, walk left to right. Hmm. So anyway, I was able to score one of these. I was very excited about it. <laughs> I got it. There were only 550 made. Oh. And it was available for anybody who was, you know, wanted to try and order online. It's 24 by 36. And so I'm very excited to get it. This is the second one that they've done. The first one they did was actually based on 2001 A Space Odyssey, which looked really cool, but I just don't have an emotional attachment to that movie as much as I do with the dark Knight. So I'm like, Oh dude, that, that was like one of my favorite teaser posters anyway. And to have them do that, it's like, yeah, I think I'm going to have to go for it. Pony up the money. So when that comes in, uh, I'll have to show it to you and hopefully you'll dig it. Maybe I'll put it in the studio. It'd be kind of cool. Oh, Russ, where else are you going to put it? My office. Oh yeah. Well, I got got a bunch of naked walls, Steve. They they need some TLC. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, they do. Finally, one of the things I wanted to talk about is, uh, so I saw this trailer and I sent it over to you. Uh-huh. And it's it's a game called Dark Myth Wukong. And I had no idea, like, like who made this game, what it's about, whatever. But I ended up watching it and was completely blown away by everything that it showed. They were showing pre-alpha footage. And one of the things that struck me right off the bat was at the very beginning, they had a pretty descriptive sentence that was talking about, hey, this is pre-game alpha footage that was actually taken directly in. Like, like you can tell that they learned from a lot of the E3 dog and pony shows about like how some people will try and do some wordsmithing or whatever and make you think that what you're seeing is in-game, but it's actually not. But they were saying in this particular trailer like they, they were spelling it out like this is the game this is not a cinematic or anything like that you know so i was like okay and then <laughs> you get introduced into this world and the world is gorgeous like the art direction is absolutely amazing the premise from what i can tell is you are some it, well, the, well the world itself looks like it's some sort of fantastical realm where again, it takes place kind of in that more, um, I don't know if it's supposed to be in ancient China. Or- I think that's China. Okay. Yeah. I have a feeling it's China and you are this humanoid type of martial arts hero character that is kind of like a monkey, kind of a monkey humanoid type of, of character. And what I think is so cool is that all the other characters that the, that you come across for the most part, they are also like these fantasy oriented looking creatures, like, like, like some sort of like tiger lion thing. That's kind of a humanoid, but not, I mean like 
all the characters just look really cool. Like the, the, there's a lot of visual appeal to them and, and the, the, the ancient garbs they're wearing and stuff just look real beautiful. And the combat is super cool as well. Um, but to back up a little bit, like what struck me was interesting was like, if you recall at the, the beginning of the trailer, it shows this bug that's flying in the air and you're like, okay, you know, it's kind of a fun way to introduce the world and stuff. And you're flying around and then you come to realize that's you. Like that is your character because it's some sort of magic trick or something. And all of a sudden you go poof. And then you, you're like this like monkey dude. Uh, what'd you think about that? Yeah, I thought it was pretty cool at the beginning. I didn't know what to really expect, and I thought something's got to happen here. I mean, we're flying around a world. I mean, I'm on a bug. Am I riding the bug? Am I am I the bug? Is someone going to squash me? Is this like this part <laughs> of the like, same feeling too? Like, am I going to get squished? So, I mean, what it seems like is, uh, I remember, I was trying try to think of this movie that I watched kind of recently with Jackie Chan where they had some of these mystical... Chinese uh, like storybook characters like that that monkey man that you saw yeah I like I remember Jet Li played that character oh really precisely in the movie right okay so uh, I don't think they're all made up characters I think they're they actually are like not not famous but known like figurine characters mm-hmm. in China but um, no it was pretty uh, pretty crazy I it looked like they were did they say they're using Unreal I mean yes. it was all like in Chinese, but I could have sworn I saw it somewhere. Yes. No, yeah. you are correct. They, 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 and they're not actually using Unreal 5. They're using Unreal 4. Yeah. I did some research into them. And so apparently, from what I know, so the, the developer is actually from China. Right. Which is a big deal because China really doesn't have a whole lot of developers. You know, the, the most of the gaming developers come from either Japan or the United States or Europe. You don't really have China um, representing a whole lot other than like I think that they've done like um, some mobile games and that sort of thing. But like to have a game that is for PC and for you know, possibly for console. Um, yeah, I, actually, I think it is for console also. Is it? Yeah. They one of the things I also heard about is that apparently so the studio is comprised of a bunch of old Tencent employees which makes sense because the company Tencent has invested in Epic games. Therefore they have a relationship with Epic and they probably got a lot of assistance in learning how to use the unreal engine. There's just a, the whole thing totally makes sense to me. But um, what did you think of, of, of some of those characters that you came across? Like, like we're not you, but like the, the, right. the hero as you're coming across, like, like there are, there were several one-on-one standoff battles there are also um, a few of the kind of the crowd-based battles as well. What do you think of all that? The the fire guy or the guy with like the fire staff. Yeah, uh, that was pretty cool. Man. There, there's definitely a lot of lighting effects and other types of effects. The motion, looked, like the motion capture, looked really good. Really yeah, fun. it did. I, I thought that later on when he was fighting that wolf or dog-looking character, huge, what the huge wolf? Yeah, yeah. Uh, I mean, you saw a lot of like the shadow of like his his fur or whatever, yeah. what hair or whatever uh, move around. I mean, it wasn't just uh, you know what we're used to today, where you you, we, you see like the individual hairs, but they don't actually have. It had fur simulation. Exactly. Like with him moving around. And it was backlit beautifully. Did you notice that? I did. The fire one, when I was hoping that he would kind of catch him on fire because he's wielding like this fire bow. 
And he did, but the fire, at least through my iPhone 7, uh, you know, that part looked oh, kind of sort of so-so. Yeah. Um, but yeah, by the way, you really should watch that trailer yeah. on like a computer screen or something. Cause I mean, there is a ton of detail. Yeah. You sent it to me this afternoon. I'm like, okay, I'm going to watch it on my little <laughs> seven inch screen here. Uh, I'm like, okay, cool. That looks great. But I, I, yeah, I imagine I definitely want to see it when I get home and, um, and be able to turn it up pretty loud. Did you notice too, how the, the hero was able to actually change up its fighting style. It looked like you could, you could wield different types of weapons right? and the vanquished foes. I think you take their weapon and can use it in the future. At least that, that was the impression I got while watching the, the, the whole thing. But the, and, and then also when it came to different types of magic you could do, apparently it's being billed as like an action RPG, which again, I think is really cool. But like, did you see that one part where he's fighting that giant wolf and he does some sort of magic thing that causes him to split into like 10 versions of himself and they all go attacking the wolf? No. Oh, you didn't get that far then. Uh. Yeah. You, when you get a chance, definitely watch the whole thing. Cause there's even like, did you even get past the wolf fight? I did. I mean, I saw what he was like fighting in the clouds or yeah. something like that. Or he has like some like very long bow. Yeah. Yeah. There, there was, um, gosh, a lot of visual spectacle. The environments were really beautiful. The whole thing like just got me excited. Like I found myself thinking this is the kind of next gen game that I wanted to see from Microsoft or Sony when they had all their, their game lineup. Like this, this game is pre-alpha. Like it's not even to give me an idea. Like pre-alpha is pretty much the earliest a game can be when you kind of show it off to the masses because you go pre-alpha, then you go to alpha, then you go to beta, and then you go to golds. And each one of those phases takes quite a while to get to that official point. So the fact that they were showing it as early as they were means they're feeling pretty confident about where the game is at right now. And it shows because, I mean, even me watching it from this early point within the development, I'm like, dude, this, this has got my attention for sure. And... I think the really the only kind of question mark is the controls. Like, are the controls tight? Do they feel good? Are they responsive? One of the other comments I wanted to make about it is that it did remind me a bit of Sekiro. Like that giant wolf fight, like that was totally like Dark Souls slash Bloodborne slash Sekiro in that regard. And that's totally fine. Cause I was a big fan of the art direction of Sekiro. I loved all the fantastical creatures and stuff that you had to take on and the boss fights and stuff. Like, um, this seems, this is, this is probably one of the, the games that has got me most excited and it's not even going to probably could be out for another two to three years. I would, if I had to guess, I would say it's, it's probably another two to three years out before it comes out. But, um, I don't think I've been as excited for a next gen title or just a new game coming out in general since probably cyberpunk 2077. Like I think that this, this game is seriously legit. And what's crazy to me is also once again, it's coming from a studio no one's heard of before. Like you have to real, I don't even know if they have a website up yet. 
And I think I just I think it, those types of stories are so fun to stumble upon. And, and IGN picks it up. I mean, it was like one of their main stories. And again, people are like, who are these guys? You know, that's, it's generating a lot of buzz. You know, when this starts to happen, you know, because we have like this game now. And then we had that uh, the, the developer who made that game on the Microsoft show that they led with. Remember that with the, the shooter? Yes. The first person. Yes. No one's even heard of who who's making it. Right. And that's was pretty much all the talk. You might see some new developers come out of nowhere because they're making the games that everybody wants to see. And the bigger dogs aren't coming out with the games that everybody wants to see. Maybe because they have stockholders or something because they're 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 supposed to please and the other and the little guys don't. They just want to make something cool because they have a vision or an imagination that other folks don't and they want to put their imagination into art form. I think you're absolutely right. I think that this is the type of game where it, it just, it feels epic, you know? And I, and I am 100% for it. Like, I don't care where the game comes from. If you have an imagination, you want to put that, that into play and make a game. I don't care where it comes from. I will buy your game and I will play it. Oh yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. And I, I just, I appreciate having that feeling once again of like, yes, like I'm really excited for this game. Like every shot I'm seeing, I'm thinking, yeah, give me more of that. Oh my gosh, look at that. You know, just, just when I think, oh, they're about to wrap up or whatever, they have more to show. And I think that was crazy too, is I think though the entire demo was like 15 minutes. That's not bad once again for being pre-alpha. Like coming that, out of nowhere. Yeah, I mean, the, there was a lot in there that was like, whoa, okay. <laughs> I'm digging it. This is this is looking really good. It's pretty uh, pretty impressive what you can do if you're the humble guy going, "Hey, I'm just gonna make something and throw it on the internet, and hopefully, you know, someone you know get some clicks and some views." And versus like, "Okay, we're gonna have a show. We're planning this three months in advance." And then everybody watches the hype trains. They were all like, "Yeah, you know, okay, you got yeah, some cool stuff, you know, whatever." And then then you know, Mister, you know. Small guy goes, oh, I'm just going to put this on the web and hopefully she <laughs> sees that and we're like, oh my gosh, <laughs> this is nuts. All right. So the next story is DC Comics lays off reportedly, um, or excuse me, DC Comics layoffs reportedly affect a third of editorial staff, including the editor in chief. According to the Hollywood Reporter, the comic book powerhouse experienced a major shakeup on this past Monday as sources claimed that, quote, roughly one third of DC's editorial ranks, uh, end quote, faced uh, losing their positions with the editor in chief, Bob Harris, said to be amongst the, those that have exited as part of the corporate realignment. Other employees that have reportedly been affected by the company wide layoffs include senior VP of publishing strategy and support services. Uh, Hank Connault, VP of Marketing and Creative Services, Jonah Wayland, VP uh, Global Publishing Initiatives and Digital Strategy, Bobby Chase, Senior Story Editor, Brian Cunningham, and Executive Editor, Mark Doyle, who oversaw the rollout of DC's Black Label graphic novels. Amid the streamlining, Jim Lee remains... DC Chief Creative Officer, which I was very happy to see because I'm a huge Jim Lee fan. DC Universe, uh, the subscription service, 
dedicated entirely to DC content is also said to have been impacted by the company's restructuring efforts with the majority of staff reportedly being laid off in a move that insiders claim was widely expected as Warner media shifts its focus to new streaming service, HBO max with some DC universe shows uh, already having made the move over to the HBO max streaming platform. So I'm going to stop right there. Because that's, that's part one of this entire story situation. But I, I, I really do feel for those who lost their jobs. I have been in that situation so many times where if I'm working for a creative studio or creative agency, whatever it is, um, my field of work is similar in that regard where you're really busy, things are going well, but then also you can have layoffs and then you're on to uh, the, the, the next journey, you know, the, the next search for uh, what you're going to be doing next. I, for one, am actually, I'm surprised and not surprised. You know, on the one hand, I'm surprised because there are so many high level people who've gotten the ax with this. But at the same time, I'm not surprised because I do think when I look at these different job titles, I think that they haven't been doing as effective of a job as of late. Like if I were to com compare like what Marvel has been doing versus what DC has been doing, I would say that Marvel has been doing a much more effective job in those areas of um you know, like like if I'm looking at here, uh, you know, VP of publishing strategy marketing, creative services, global publishing initiatives, digital strategy, like all those things going on. Like I would say the one thing that has been working in their favor for DC is Jim Lee and Jim Lee being the chief creative officer. That's why there has been a very noticeable shift in terms of the visual fidelity of comics, even a lot of the um, the content that is being produced for these marketing strategies and that sort of thing. All of that looks fantastic because he's the one who's actually at the helm doing that. So I can see how that works. But in terms of the direction and the strategy that they have been utilizing for many years now, I just, I think that that has been problematic for them and it carries over into other places like, like in their, their movie industry, uh, for example, they, have failed largely to cultivate the same type of ecosystem that the Marvel Cinematic Universe has made. And I think when it comes to some of these other things too, like the um, the Black Label, for instance, I collect that comic. I think it's a, it's a really neat idea. I think the problem though is, is that that particular style of comic is much more mature than your normal comics. And so therefore, I think it appeals to a niche market. And I think that it's not as widespread in terms of sales as a result of that. So I could see that being kind of a, a bit of an issue. One of the things that I find also kind of bizarre about this is the timing of it, which leads us into the second part of the story in that DC is going to be having what they call a DC fandom. And it's, their answer for the fact that the SDCC as well as other comic cons have been canceled for the year due to coronavirus. So this is their way to have kind of like this online virtual presence where they get to still do a lot of the stuff that they would have on the roster um, during their, their scheduled appearances and that sort of thing. What's weird though, is that it's, it's so it's a, it's supposed to come out, I think August 22nd, if I remember correctly. And 
the morale has got to be in the toilet as a result of the layoffs that occurred. I mean, it's, it's weird to me how they had the layoffs and then it's almost like they're trying to use the DC fandom thing as like a morale booster saying, look at all this stuff that's coming out. But I just feel so bad for the folks who did in fact get laid off from the company. What do you think about that? Yeah, I, I don't think, yeah, man, it's hard to say because at, at, at some point, DC, as well as any other company, reaches a time, hopefully never, but they'll reach a time when they have to trim the fat. And I wouldn't say, I, I mean, I hate that for me to be me, like, oh, it was the fat they had to cut off the body, you know? <laughs> oh, it was the gristle. Exactly, like, thanks a lot. I, that, that doesn't make me sound good. But um, I think in a way... And I'm not knowledgeable in, in, in DC. I mean, I, I I used to read a bunch of comics. A lot of the majority of them were Marvel, but I had no bad opinion with DC. I didn't yeah. avoid DC whatsoever. No, no, no. Um, it was more so that DC was really dark at the time when I was reading comics, and Marvel was a lot more colorful. And so I kind of gravitated more towards Marvel. And plus, the Marvel had X Men and some other uh, the other characters. Yeah, I, the characters that you followed were more on sure. the Marvel side. Yeah, um, but. By and large, with the movies that have coming out, um, you have a lot of people who have not read the comics whatsoever, and they don't know any backstory at all. They just know what they see on screen. Yeah. And so I think because the Marvel movies have been handled so well that you have a ton of people who are buying Marvel, whatever it is. Mm -hmm. And so you're getting a lot of attention towards Marvel comics and everything Marvel does and not so much with DC. And with DC there hasn't nearly been the quality of movies, whatever <laughs> that have been out. And I mean, stuff that comes out and just seems like it's a bit, I don't know what, I don't even, they've had some winners like wonder woman, uh, Shazam. Uh, yeah. But the, even they, the Batman movies, like the Christopher Nolan Batman's okay, right. But those Batman's are done and gone. Yeah. Batman is being Batman went to Batfleck. Yeah. And that was terrible. And then they decided to, get rid of uh, soups. So, and, and even with Aquaman, and Aquaman was okay. Shazam Aquaman was, was fun. It was a little corny, but it was fun. It's not the Dark Knight though. No, it's not. So they, I mean, if you, if you but look at it the, is Jason Momoa. <laughs> that only goes so far. But if you look at the quality that was in like Man of Steel yeah. or the Dark Knight, and then you look at Aquaman or Suicide Squad or like anything else DC related, it, it does not hold near of a candle than what we've been seeing with Marvel. And Marvel can now take some of the, like these liberties and making some, some jokes and having some silly moments in their movies and, and whatnot, because then the majority of what they have to offer is quality stuff to me as a viewer who hasn't been following DC that much. I go to a DC movie and I want to be just as entertained as I am with a Marvel movie. And I walk out of there time and time again, going, this movie was just yeah, it was a chuckle and it was kind of fun, but I don't care to see it again. I don't care to go pick it up on Blu-ray. I don't care to look into it. Like after watching, um, yeah, what's it called? <laughs> it has a superhero in it. After watching Daredevil, Daredevil, I know that'll be edited out. No, it won't. Yeah, it will. <laughs> uh, after watching Daredevil, I want to go back and I want to get the comic. I want to read a lot more into it. I don't want to stop at the show. 
I, I literally don't, but I wouldn't have picked up, I wouldn't have even had that interest at all unless I gave the show a shot. Yeah. And the show was so well done that I want more. I'm not at that place mentally whatsoever with DC. And I can't be the only one who thinks that way. And so if I'm not the only one who thinks that way, then that means it's affecting their profit margin to a certain point that they got to figure out how we're going to trim the fat. Well, and I think the, the again, going to the, the different positions that were in leadership that did get axed, I do think that they, they need to have kind of a, I don't know, a, a raw inventory of the areas that they definitely need to fix. They need, they just, they just got to improve upon it. And I'm not going to sit here and say that I claim to know, you know, every single storyline that's going on with the comics or what they're planning on doing with the, with the movies. But to your point, as an outsider looking in someone who like, you know, like I'll, I'll pick up some comics from DC here and there, I'll go and watch their movies, that sort of thing. Um, it doesn't take an expert or an insider to be able to understand how they, 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 there are these areas that they need to fix in order to have or achieve the same level of success that Marvel has currently. But even saying that, I'm curious to see like what this next phase of Marvel is going to be like because they really did a great job over the last 10 years. I'm wondering if they're going to be able to continue that for the next 10 years. That's a big question because a lot of the, some of the decisions they've, they've made towards the end here and going into the next phase... I'm a little, little on the bridge with like so a lot of the characters that I love are not coming back. So now it's going to be kind of a toss up now going. So um, going back to the DC fandom thing. So there are six verses. In, if you think of like, like multiverse type of situation to choose from. So you have the hall of heroes, the watch verse, you verse insider verse, fun verse and kids verse. So those are the, the six. Each has its own unique theme that will go over below, uh, or that we, excuse me, that we will go over below so everybody can have a better sense of what to expect from each one. So with Hall of Heroes, apparently that is where all the major programming will happen, such as new content and panels about your favorite DC shows, movies, and games. It's essentially kind of like what Hall H is at San Diego Comic-Con that everybody tries to get into, that you spend the night on the concrete the next, or the, the previous day in order to try and get a spot. That's pretty much what it is. And that's probably what I'm going to be really looking at when this whole thing goes on. Watchverse features four theaters, um, which will be celebrating um, different types of cultures and that sort of thing. It's, it's, it's um, according to what, what, what the, the, the article said, um, it, it apparently fans can watch hours of DC content, whether that's new content or rehashes of stuff that's celebrated, like, you know, Batman, the animated series, for instance, I don't know. Um, but that, that, that's, you know, that could be a fun thing too. Like, like if they all of a sudden make for a temp, you know, a certain amount of time, uh, certain things that you'd have to either like have Netflix for or whatever else you're like, Oh, you can watch it this one night only. It's like, Oh, okay, cool. Uverse puts the fans at the forefront and displays their art, cosplay, and other fan-made content inspired by the characters and worlds in the DC universe. So that's fun. If you have any kind of uh, creative bone in your body and you want to be able to show that off, it's a fun community type of um, situation there. Um, you have Insiderverse. 
where fans can take behind the scenes looks at how their favorite DC comics, games, TV shows, and more were created. Again, for someone like me, I'm a, you know how I am. I'm a big fan of that sort of thing, looking behind the curtain, seeing how these things are done. And then finally, or no, excuse me, they, we have two more. Funverse is an interactive space where fans uh, can view free digital comics, buy merch, and participate in other fun activities, whatever those fun activities may be. And finally, um, that kind of segues into the kids verse, which is a verse made just for kids, featuring a Teen Titans Tower in DC superhero Girls Sweet Justice Cafe, which my daughter may just like. Hmm. So, I mean, there's something for everybody. I think, I think it's going to be pretty fun. Um, and I think uh, when I look at the schedule, for instance, Hall of Heroes has a ton of stuff. I mean, they have um, a Wonder Woman 1984 panel. I'm sure they'll probably have all the, the actors up there being able to answer questions and that sort of thing. So you, you'll get some uh, FaceTime, virtual FaceTime with like, you know, Gal Gadot and that sort of thing. Um, there's Warner Brothers Games Montreal announcement. So this is one, if you recall, they probably are working on another Batman game. And a while ago on Twitter, they had that one tease. And it had like these different owl uh, insignias or something. And it was like the Court of Owls or something like that is what they were calling it. But I think according to what I'm seeing here, they're probably going to have their announcement of the Batman game that they're working on. And I'm wondering if it's going to be uh, considered a next-gen title. So that'll be interesting. Which is different from Rocksteady Studios, who are going to be um, also debuting their game at this. So two different studios going to be showing off what they're working on, both of which um, I think it's safe to say we're both interested in. So they have all kinds of other things here as well. Um, they have like a multiverse one-on-one panel. Uh, they have an introducing the flash panel. That's um, also very interesting because I'm wondering if that's going to be movie based or if they're just going to be having more of a panel for the comic book. They have the suicide squad panel. And I've heard that James Gunn is going to be there and he like, we may see a glimpse of the project that he's working on in terms of the suicide squad sequel. In addition to that, my goodness, they have all kinds of things. They have legacy of the bat panel. Um, they have some sort of surprise DC comics panel, the Snyder cut of justice league panel. So, uh, you know, I'm sure, I'm sure that Zack Snyder will make an appearance there because that they've been heavily hyping that, uh, black Adam panel, Aquaman panel, Shazam. I mean, the, 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 you just go on the list. And if you guys do a Google search, you can find uh, the entire roster that's going to take place. This is a multi-day event, so I can't go through. I don't have time to go through like each and everything on here. But that was just kind of a handpicked thing from um, the Hall of Heroes portion. You know, all six of them have different events and stuff. And it's what's nice is that they've actually articulated this very nicely in terms of like the, the time zones and a brief description of what's going on. So in a future Joygasm episode, we will be covering at least the, the, the major ones, like the insider stuff, the, the Hall of Heroes, that sort of thing, because I'm sure there will be quite a few different announcements from that. But what do you think of, of, of their approach to having this kind of online presence to make up for SDCC getting shut down? I mean, I think it works. I think um, 
I think the the field was open for someone to step in and, and make it happen. And the fan, I think, again, fans definitely want to get out of the house and do something. And I mean, this is not something that just they're just going to click on their home's like, computer screen, right? Like they're going to go somewhere. Well, I, I'm not exactly sure. My understanding is is that the majority of folks can just go on the computer. Like, like you, I don't, I don't know if you go to a website or if you go um, to like YouTube or whatever it is. But I think they're going to be streaming this stuff, so you don't have to actually go anywhere. I don't. Now, at the same time, I do wonder if they are going to have something available to have a certain amount of folks be physically present somewhere. That I'm not sure because. If it's just something you look at on screen, I mean, that would lose a lot of the excitement because all of a sudden you're not like in the moment. You know, like, for example, like if you if you watch a, a baseball game on TV, you, you talk to some of the fans of baseball. It's like, yeah, you watch on TV. It's one way. But man, when you're there, it's yeah. totally completely. I mean, it's kind of like if I asked you, like, you don't need to go to SDCC. You can just look at everything online. You're going to look at me and say, like, no, man, it's different when you're there. You, I mean, you got to go back. You got to go. And, and I think, well, I could just look at it online. But my interest on it is not as high as yours. And your interest on it would not be as high if, if you were not there either. Yeah. No, no. You can't, you can never replace the the sensation you get when you are actually at the, the event. Right. So but I'm glad that if I can't go to something like that, at least I have this as a secondary. Yeah, true. But the, the sense of urgency, I would think, would be less because if it's just going to be online, then what's the point of like, you know, I got to camp out. I got to get there. I got to look at it. I mean... He was, I still need to take you to an SDCC. You would freak out. <laughs> I would. Um, one of the things I also wanted to talk about is um, the Insiderverse schedule. So Insiderverse is going to happen on Saturday, August 22nd, which I believe is next Saturday. And man, I'm looking at the list here. Like, like they have designing the animated heroes of the DC universe. And then again, before I go any further, the Insiderverse is like the whole like behind the scenes, like how they, how they do all this stuff. So, um, artists around the world draw how I broke into comics. They have uh, hot wheels and inside look at the Batmobiles and beyond how DC books get made. Um, they, they even have like the, the comic store thing. They have inside editions. Um, my goodness. Yeah, there, there, there is so much to actually, I, I, like I said, I would highly encourage everybody to check out what they have because there, there is a ton of stuff in here. The Sky, The Amazing Story of Superman. Yeah, it would, I, I could, de- I could easily, <laughs> looking at all this, I could dedicate, look, here's one, Sleek, Sexy, and Sinister, The Costumes of Batman Returns. Like, that's like one of the things that, that they're going to be doing is showing like the, the wardrobe stylists and the fabricators and stuff. Like, super cool, like how they went about making Batsuit and Catwoman's suit and Penguin. I mean, yes, please, I'll be there. <laughs> Anyway, highly recommend you guys check that out. But in the interest of time, we are going to segue into what is technically our topic of the day, which is Halo Infinite gets delayed until 2021. Steve. Yes. How do you feel about this? Well, I feel that it is the right thing to do. I think if I had a choice between, well, you can have it on launch day and it's going to look the way you saw it the other, at, at the conference. 
or we could delay it and have it not be a launch title, but it's going to be better game overall. I would say make it a better game overall because I'm going to play the game a lot longer than just the quick enjoyment of having it as a launch title. What I think also is that <laughs> I wonder whose decision it was. If it was Microsoft saying, okay, yeah, we got to work on this still. Or if everybody was on board about how Halo would look with that trailer uh-huh. and went, yep, that's good enough to make the mark. Let's throw it out there now. The community will be okay with it. I wonder who, who I mean, how, how it was behind the scenes because when I saw the trailer, I was like, okay, cool, Halo. Not too impressed. Um, and then I would just search for uh, Halo reactions online. I would just search for it both on Google and on YouTube. And I didn't say, I didn't specify that search whatsoever. I just said Halo Infinite Reactions. And the overwhelming reaction was like mine. Was like kind of, not necessarily I hated it, but I was underwhelmed. Mm -hmm. And I have to think that is, is it the decision to just continue making Halo games and the community would, would, who, who loves Halo would just continue to buy them no matter what kind of Halo it is. Kind of like if it was Star Wars, for example. Like, because there's a community with Star Wars, they don't care about what quality standard it is. Is if it's Star Wars, oh, you got my money, sort of thing. Where somebody like me, who's critical, I'm saying I need I need a certain quality level and a certain standard to be met to have an appreciation for the Star Wars. Mm-hmm. Well, the same thing was with Halo for me. And so I look at it, I think, okay, this was ready to, to throw out to the public saying this is what basically you, you should expect when the game is released. And then when the community goes, no, we want it to be higher, and they go, okay, um, you all hate us now. That's the opposite reaction of what we were going <laughs> to get. did not expect that to happen. Yeah, exactly. How, and it makes me think, how would you not expect us all to feel this way? Like, who's got to be make? who's pulling the strings back there where they say, yes, this is exactly what the community wants. This is the standard that's going to be approved. Let's go with it. So I have a quote from Microsoft that I'll read for you. This is the, uh, well, actually, Microsoft's full statement on the, uh, well, yeah, this is the full statement. Never mind. Uh, but yeah, this is, the, this is Microsoft's full statement on the delay of Halo Infinite. Quote, today, I want to share an important Halo Infinite development update with the community. We have made the, dif- the difficult decision to shift our release to 2021 to ensure the team has adequate time to deliver a Halo game experience that meets our vision. The decision to shift our release is the result of multiple factors that have contributed to development challenges, including the ongoing COVID-related impacts affecting us all this year. I want to acknowledge the hard work from our team at 343 Industries who have remained committed to making a great game and finding solutions to development challenges. However, it is not sustainable for the well-being of our team or the overall success of the game to ship it this holiday. We know this will be disappointing to many of you, and we all share in that sentiment. The passion and support the community has shown over the years has been incredible and inspiring. We want nothing more than to play our game with the community this holiday. The extra time will let us finish the critical work necessary to deliver the most ambitious Halo game ever at the quality we know our fans expect. Thank you for your support and understanding. So they touched upon a number of things in here that kind of got my noodle running, I guess you could say. Um, 
I think that it was wise of them to delay the game. Um, just based off of what we were talking about, what you were just talking about in terms of you're watching. First of all, we had the teaser trailer that came out. Uh, was it last year or the year before? I can't remember exactly which year it was. And then we had the, the game demo that happened this year. The overwhelming response is that the graphics fidelity just isn't there. What was interesting, and I, and I was one of the people who commented on this, is that when I was watching the gameplay, the gameplay felt Halo, which is good. That's that's a very big thumbs up from me. But the graphics were puzzling to me because they were decidedly retro, like as if they were still obsessed over wanting to recreate kind of the, the original Halo aesthetic. And that was something I was not prepared for, that I actually wanted to see something that was next gen that looked more photo real that like we moving beyond. And we've talked about this in great detail in previous episodes. So it's interesting to me that they collected, like you said, the response from the community. And I really do believe that they, um, they took stock of, of kind of the general consensus of what was going on. And they decided, you know, we really should not release this, as a launch title, we need to go back a bit to the drawing board and be able to improve upon what we have. One of the things that come into mind immediately is the fact that they were talking about how there would not be any ray tracing in the game. That's a huge oversight because ray tracing is one of the main features of both the PS5 and Xbox Series X where if you have that in place, if the ability to have real-time ray tracing in a game that bumps up your lighting quality like crazy. That makes things look way more realistic as evidenced by the, the Unreal 5 tech demo that we saw running. So I applaud them for making that decision because I do think it's going to help in the long term. Because if they didn't, I do think that there would have been more of a fallout. <laughs> Because Halo 5, let's face it, Halo 5 was a disaster. It was, I mean, like the multiplayer component, which honestly I didn't even play. I, I was going to play it, but I didn't get around to doing it. I heard about how the multiplayer actually was good in Halo 5. However, I've played the story mode, the single player campaign of Halo 5. It didn't feel like Halo to me at all. I was very disappointed by that. So, and I know I, I'm not alone in that, that regard, but it's interesting how in their quote, they, they address certain things. Like for instance, they talked about COVID. Do you think that COVID really had that big of an impact on their production pipeline? No, I don't. Because I think that people work just as hard in the comfort of their homes um, than they will in the office. They put in more hours. Uh, being more comfortable, there you know, there's less office drama. There's there's low commute, and so you get, I think, a higher productivity out of people. But I don't think COVID had anything to do with it. I think that they're trying to point fingers and try and like just spread out the blame a little bit so people can understand and, and forgive them. Um, which, I mean, PR will be PR. Let's that, just face it. But I think uh, there was I forgot who it was, but pre this story and probably pre that statement, actually, yes, for sure, pre that statement. 343 came out 
and I didn't I didn't tell you this um, because I didn't know we were going to talk about the story today. But um, <laughs> that's what we call living on the edge. Three four three was basically saying that um, there were criticisms both that their staff assumed would happen and some that their staff wouldn't didn't think was going to be so critical on. And that, to me, is almost a tone deafness to the community they're trying to sell to. Because when I, when I look at the game and pre-looking at or hearing or reading about any other person's reactions, just my own, I would think the gameplay, yes, solid. The sound needs to be worked on. The graphics definitely need to be worked on. The story, I'm okay with. But as of right now, it still looks like a, a game that needs a lot of work. Not ready to be shipped, sold, distributed, whatever. This is not done. The game is not done. And if they came out with a couple years ago with that trailer, I would, be, I would say, okay, this is a work in progress and it's not going to be out for a couple more years. You guys are on the right track. If, if they're saying this game is going to be out in a couple months and this is a pretty much, we're done with it almost, I would say, no, that you are not done with this game. This is not what I expect. And the rest of the fandom agrees. And, and But I shouldn't say, I shouldn't say the rest of the fandom. The overwhelming majority is on that, that, that page. But for their staff to go, well, we didn't think that criticism was going to be there. We didn't, we didn't, you know, we, we kind of, okay, uh, we'll go back and work on it. They thought it was done. Like they thought it was good enough to go. Well, and I think part of that has to do with when when you're working on any given game, you do kind of get tunnel vision after a while because that's all you're doing. Day in and day out, you're working on the game. Um, you are making decisions that are uh, very limited in terms of opinion because you haven't announced the game officially. You haven't shown off anything yet. So you have a very finite amount of people that are all working on it. When you start to apply the office politics component of it too, you have certain people who are in positions of authority and they're making the shots. You know, they're, they're, they're calling a lot of, of the various shots and making those decisions that trickle down and, and make an impact one way or another. And so I do think that that, that is a potential danger that I think everybody has to tend, you know, they, they have to contend with. And I think in this kind of situation, again, it, it's, it's good of Microsoft to go back and make some, um, some modifications, make some improvements, hopefully. But I think too, when I stop to look at what needs to be changed to me, it goes beyond just the graphics fidelity. Like I, I would say like one of the things that, that, that comes to mind for me is also certain things that need to be addressed, such as, for instance, why are we still fighting the covenant? Right. You mentioned that on another podcast. Yeah. And I, I want to bring it up again here where it's like, you know, why are we still fighting the brutes that we have a whole universe to go out on and have different types of alien species that you come across different types of scenarios that master chief has to work his way through. I, and I think that that is also something that, is going to start to impact my enjoyment as a big Halo fan. If I'm going back to just, okay, I'm shooting grunts again, I'm shooting the you know elites again. Those kind of things have been done for the last 19 years. And I, 
I doubt that Microsoft will approach that either because I think they have committed themselves far too long. If you think about it, I believe it's been five years since Halo 5 was released. So they've had about five years of development here. And I, if I had to guess, it, they're probably just going to revisit the graphics engine and make changes to textures and lighting and that sort of thing, which is good. Don't get me wrong. That is good. But I, I just, I wish that they would actually really take stock of like some of the stuff that they're doing and be able to, to perhaps um, make some, some, you know, yank out some, some big chunks and fix it and put it back in. If they don't, I know I'm still going to enjoy the game just because I, I feel like, like they have recaptured more of the soul of Halo, which is good when it comes to the gameplay itself. You know, I think that, that they have some good ideas in there and that sort of thing. And I, I mean, we'll both enjoy the game. Whether or not it's going to be at that level, though, where it's life altering or whatever, that remains to be seen. And it may just be that we have to wait until the next Halo game that comes out where some of these things that I'm asking for will get addressed. It's, it's difficult to know for sure, but do you think that it's going to be impacting negatively the launch of the Xbox series X? Mm, I would say, I, I would say there's always a percentage that titles people are looking forward to on launch will affect the overall launch of the system. Yes. That being said, I don't think it's going to be detrimental to the system's launch because... You mean like, like long-term or short-term? Uh, short-term because in the long-term, the system is, is quite powerful. A lot of the third-party titles that are going to be available for our both systems are, will definitely run better on the on Xbox. So in the long-term, I don't think it'll hurt them. In the short-term, I think it will because that's just one less game that we're looking forward to, to playing. That being said, um, I mean, if I had a, a choice to play more Halo or more Cyberpunk, I'm going to probably play more Cyberpunk. <laughs> um, so I, I could definitely wait uh, for Halo. And and, and again, uh, like I said before, I, I I'm still a fan. Um, I just want a game that I am used to playing that got me hooked in the beginning. Yeah, you want a compelling experience. I think that's the biggest thing. Is like they've already done like the Master Chief Collection. They've already done Halo Remastered, right? Like we've already been down this nostalgic road of why we fell in love with the, with the franchise in the, in the first place. And that's great. Like I, I treasure those games. I think it's fantastic. But I think that there's a, a very clear and present issue with 343 in the sense that they have been in that line of thinking for so long. It's now impacting their decisions on a brand spanking new Halo game. It's like, guys, no, you don't have to stay on the Halo ring. I mean, that seeing that again, I'm like, why are we back at a Halo ring? Like, again, there's so like so many other avenues to take, but yet we're, we're, we're we seem to be desperately clinging to some of the original plot points and environments and, visual aesthetics of the original Halo game. And I just, I want to make it abundantly clear. It's okay to deviate a little bit from that, to, to actually make specific changes that enhance or take advantage of new technology and that sort of thing. And, um, 
Yeah. I mean, I, I think I've, I've pretty much said it, but I, at the end of, of all things though, if they need to take three months, take three months. If they need to take six months, take right. six months. One of the things I discovered, I was actually listening to uh, Ryan McCaffrey, who he works over at IGN. Uh, really enjoy what he has to say on a lot of different topics. He was talking about, um, he brought up the fact that Halo, I th- if I remember correctly, he said that the Halo 20th anniversary is going to be next November. And that could actually be a perfect time to release a Halo game. So not only would they get like a full extra year to be able to work on the game, but it's very fitting considering that's a a mark uh, that that is, you know, it, it should have some kind of uh, pomp and circumstance, you know? True, but uh, that's not enough time to rework the entire story, though. I mean, that's enough time to make the game look good and sound good, but... If they're going back to formula, going okay, we got can't be on a ring. Um, <laughs> yeah. uh, where are we gonna go? They're probably yeah, they're probably not gonna be able to have time to revamp all of that stuff. Well, it'll probably like you said, it'll, it'll be limited to graphics and sound and stuff. But at least they are wanting to to address that, and my my respect does go out to them. Um, as a result, because they could have easily just said, well, no, it's going to be a launch title. And because it's a brand new system, people are going to want a game to go with it. And we'll just collect the sales because it's a halo game. You know, they could have very easily gone down that path. And I think that would have been the wrong decision ultimately, just because like what we've been talking about, everyone who has seen it tends to make the same type of, of critique. Right. Here's what, I think what I would conclude with with 343 is if I, this is the third game, the third Halo game that they've come out with, if they can't fix it to be appreciated by more than 50% of the Halo community, I think they should sell the franchise. Oh, controversial. I think they should because provocative. I, I can I can appreciate them wanting to keep the games alive. It's like I mean it, it, well, I don't want to go. This is going to be, this is gonna be like the, the podcast of analogies. I'm not going to try and refrain from another analogy. But You have already played your analogy card, sir. Right. So I would love to continue playing the Halo games and not be stuck like with the Halo games they gave us and that's it. But if we're going to continue playing new games, it needs to evolve into something else like anything you would expect to evolve. Yeah. Like high definition TVs. Like we're going to see, we could be in 2020 and still be watching TV on CRT, but definition and technology and resolution has gotten way better. Thank goodness. So we would expect the same for our halo, but if they can't do it by the third game, I would say maybe you guys don't have the vision that is needed to keep this series alive and on, on and and reclaim the fire it once had right at some point you got to move on to other work i mean I'm, if, if they're not good at halo maybe they're good at the next game that's i'm not saying 343 sucks i'm just saying like hey there's some things i'm good at and some things i am not good at i couldn't do the creative stuff you could do on the computer it would take me years. I would have to learn everything and figure out if I have the motivation for that, <laughs> you know, but there's other stuff that I'm good at. Yeah. I'm just saying that's the same kind of thing for three, four, three. I can appreciate them. And I 
they have my gratitude for keeping the series alive, but I think at some point they need to give it to someone else who may have some other ideas they could, they could implement. Well, and I, and I think too, it's going to be nice to be able to hold off on, on final judgment of the game until we actually have it in our hands. We're playing it. We're checking out, you know, what's going on and stuff. Cause it, it could actually hit on a whole lot of marks and, and make us really happy for the most part. I think it's difficult to say we're, we're, operating on very limited amount of exposure to it at this point. We have seen enough in the sense that we have along with the rest of the community voiced our opinion of, of what it was that they, I mean, we are assuming that they are showing stuff that they want to show that, that like is probably some of the highlights of the gameplay the graphics. I mean, it's not like they're going to take things that are boring from the game. Be like, here, show them that at E3 You're, or whatever. They're trying to sell it. Yeah, exactly. So we'll, you know, we'll, we'll wait and see. I mean, um, yeah, of course. We'll just wait and see. They're, of course, of course, we'll wait and see. But I'm just saying, I'm saying it right now. If they can't hit it, that's, I think, I think it's time. That wraps up this episode of Joygasm. Make sure to tune in next week. Thanks for hanging out with us. If you enjoyed this episode, we invite you to check out patreon.com slash joygasm, which is spelled J-O-Y-G-A-S-M, and consider becoming a monthly contributor. You'll get exclusive perks and early access to the show, not to mention it really helps us continue doing what we love to do. Also, you can follow us on social media and YouTube. Just do a search for Joygasm TV. Last but not least, search Joygasm TV on Twitch to see us stream our gaming adventures live every Wednesday night at 9.30 p.m. Central Time. We will see you next week. 